Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Dave Lee, so without further ado, here he is. Good morning, Harvest. It's good to be with you all again uh, online, and uh, just a little later this afternoon, it's also going to be great to meet in person for outdoor service at the Ministry Center parking lot uh, with some of you, Um, and we'll do this again in just a few hours. So we're really grateful uh, that God has given us that opportunity. It's also really good to be back in the pulpit again. Thank you, Pastor Stan and Pastor Frank, for covering for the last couple weeks. And this morning, um, I'm not going to start a series or anything. This is just a sermon that um, God laid on my heart because of something that happened earlier this week that got me thinking, and it turned into a message. Earlier this week, Zoe and I were at the mall, and we were, we were um, looking for something, and we turned to a store employee for some help. And, you know, without going into details, I could just say this. We encountered a staggering level of apathy um, on the part of this worker towards her job. And, you know, her unhelpfulness cost us in terms of time and money. She sent us on a, on a meaningless um, errand, basically, to, to visit another store. Uh, but, you know, more than the things that cost me, it was disheartening because I just thought about what makes a person um, take that approach to what they're doing. I mean, there are, there's several ways that she could have done that particular job on that particular day. And again, I don't want to be too harsh in, in judgment over her because I don't know what she was going through. But the point was watching someone do their work with such a passive or... Um, uncommitted attitude really affected me and it spilled over and it made me wonder how does a person get to a place in their life where that's the approach to what they do for a living leadership expert john maxwell writes life is a matter of choices and every choice you make makes you i think that's a really important quote that all throughout our lives we're constantly making choices and every single one of those choices taken together shapes who we are you know there are the big choices in life the obvious ones um, we know what they are and those are the big choices that completely define which direction our lives go but you know what those are very few numerically speaking far more numerous are the Dozens, maybe even hundreds of little choices we make every single day throughout the day. And taken one at a time, those little choices may seem insignificant, but they all add up to shape and determine what kind of person we're going to become. You know, those small choices do add up. I mean, think about the the one more choices, one more press of the snooze button, one more drink, one more episode. And... On its own, it may not seem like that big a deal, but each time we make those choices, um, maybe the choice to stay inside instead of going out for a jog, maybe the choice to click on that link, even though you know it'll take you somewhere, you shouldn't go. Maybe if you're a student, it's that choice to not do an assignment because it's not absolutely required by the teacher, even though it might actually lead to an education. These little choices we make, taken on their own, seem so insignificant, but they add up together, they aggregate, 
into what becomes our character. And one of the choices we make every single day is what level of effort we will apply to whatever we put our hands to do. Different tasks, of course, require different effort levels. I mean, I don't put the same kind of intensity into um, putting a new roll of toilet paper onto the dispenser as I do in writing a sermon. Obviously, different kinds of tasks require different levels of effort and intensity, and most of us will work harder at the things we're passionate about. But overall, I think you can generally see a posture or attitude of effort in most people uh, as the average of how they approach most things in life. You might call it an effort quotient. What's your effort quotient look like? In general, how do others that are close to you think of you and how do you see yourself? Are you the kind of person that even in small things, when you put your hand to it, as some people observe, it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. I I read another person say, who, who wrote, if it's worthy of your attention, it's worthy of your best effort. So, What does your effort quotient look like? Even in something that doesn't seem like it's that important, if you put your hand to it, do you bring the best that you can to that task? In Colossians 3, and by the way, originally when I was writing this sermon, it was going to be a rambling exploration of effort throughout the New Testament. Uh, But then it turned into this massive thing. And so, um, actually, late in the week... I cut the sermon into like a million pieces. And now what you were getting this morning is a sliver of that. So I grew a lot this week. Hopefully you grow a little. Uh, I'll give you a piece of what I got. But I'm going to focus only on one passage this morning. And that's Colossians chapter 3, verses 22 to 24. Here's what it says. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything And do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. For a lot of us, these are familiar words. Some of us probably even memorized verses 23 to 24 at some point in our lives. And these words remind us that whatever we do, we are to do it with all our hearts. Uh, That that verse or that phrase um, really carries the meaning of doing it with your very best effort, like really putting yourself into it. And even the small things we're called to bring our whole selves, to pour ourselves into whatever that we're doing. And not only are we called to do it with all our hearts, but with sincerity of heart. And that phrase just means, don't just work hard at things, care about what you're doing. Own it. Uh, bear a burden for it. Really pour the fullness of who you are into the things you put your hands to do. What's crazy to me about these verses is that Paul first wrote them to Christian slaves who had been born again. Now, obviously, it's recorded and preserved for us because it's also relevant to us in our lives. So this still speaks to us today. But in its original writing, those words were directed to slaves who had become Christians and they were saved spiritually, but they were still slaves in an earthly sense. They were forced to do work 
they didn't want to do for masters that they didn't choose. And I can understand Paul telling them to work with all their hearts as a way of maybe bearing witness or trying to get at least some better treatment, self-preservation, reward. But how can he tell them to work as slaves with all their heart, with sincerity of heart, to actually care about the work that they're doing? You know, a lot of us work hard to gain a reward. And that's actually a legitimate, biblically, it's a legitimate motivation to work hard at things, is to gain some form of reward. That's not the only reason we should do it, but it's a legitimate reason to work hard. But what motive would a slave have for working hard when there's no guarantee that their hard work will lead to any particular outcome? That just because a slave works hard doesn't mean they're going to get their freedom or be treated better or get extra food. There is no obligation that the master is under to treat that slave with dignity and fairness and justice. And yet, Paul, writing on behalf of God, calls these Christian slaves to serve in what they do with all their heart and with sincerity of heart. On one level, that's offensive to me because it seems as if God is adding an unjust burden to people who are already living in an unjust situation. But if you read more carefully, look at that passage, what you see is that there are several phrases buried in there that reveal or tip Paul's hand as to why he's saying this. Because in the end, it isn't for the sake of the earthly master, but out of reverence for the Lord, verse 22. And in verse 23, he says, Do it as if you are working for the Lord. And in verse 24, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Even though they had come to Christ, they remained in their chains. And Paul couldn't do anything about their status as slaves. He didn't have that kind of civic power. But what he was reminding them is that when they came to Christ, Jesus became their new master. And while their earthly masters were often unjust, cruel, um, very Uh, unrighteous people who looked upon them without dignity as if they were property, Jesus, their new master, would give them an inheritance as a reward. And he would love them and treat them with dignity. These slaves, though they weren't freed of their earthly chains, were given a kind of freedom in their hearts because now they no longer groaned and toiled for an unworthy, unrighteous earthly master. Everything they did was now given new dignity, new meaning, because they did everything in the service of Jesus Christ who had given everything for them. And we may not be slaves in this world, but this word still speaks to us. Jesus calls us to bring our best to whatever we do, because everything we do serves Him. The way we approach our work, the effort we apply, the All our heartness of it, the sincerity of our hearts in everything we do, it doesn't just reflect how we feel about the work, but in the end, as Christians, it reflects how we feel about Him, our true Master. This is especially important when we're called to do the kinds of work that we don't really want to do. When we're put in situations we'd rather not be in, and we sense that there is an obligation a direction that God is pushing us, and we don't want to go there. We don't always care enough about the rewards 
to do unpleasant work. But we do care a lot about the relationships that mean something to us. And that's the principle that Paul is making on here, is he can't promise that a slave working hard will get a particular reward or outcome, but he can promise that he can do it to grow and flourish in a relationship that will be eternal. You know, when I was in my 40s, I was extraordinarily unfit and unhealthy. When I look at photos of myself from my 40s, it's this picture of pasty unhealthiness. I don't know how else to describe it. And I, I actually look at those photos and I remember how my body felt all through that decade. And I remember at one point, um, I should say my, my mid-30s, because I, I was approaching 40 and I, I remember thinking, I don't really care about how I look, but I, I was looking at my young children and my wife and I, I, I thought to myself, I really want to stick around for them. I want to watch them grow up. I want to be able to enjoy my time with them. And while I could never quite get the motivation to work out and get healthier and eat better in order to look really good, when I looked at them, that pull, that the power of those relationships finally got me off the couch and working out again. And I, and I just, it was almost magical. I began to eat more healthy and I began to exercise more and in general just engage life with more energy, a little more positivity. And that wasn't because I wanted to look a certain way. It was because I wanted to do my best to love people that I cared about. And in that transformation, and I've actually, I feel more fit now in my 50s than I did in my 30s and even my 40s. And so I'm so thankful to God that He taught me that principle, that we are more motivated by relationships than rewards in the end. And what more powerful relationship should we have or do we have as Christians than the relationship we have with our Savior? You know, we're not promised that our hard work will produce any particular outcome. But we are promised that when we work hard, when we bring our best to something, when we pour our whole selves into whatever we do, we honor Jesus Christ and we delight and please Him in the way that we approach our work. And here's the good thing. He uses that effort to strengthen and shape us in turn. You know, it's remarkable how often in the New Testament you read the language of effort and straining and urging and pushing. You know, even though the gospel is the good news of grace in that the the hardest things God did for us free of charge, and yet the New Testament is filled with the language of try, push, strain. It's not because we work hard to become saved. It's because once we are saved, our efforts create the kind of experience and, and character in life which reflect and honor God and which make our lives and our world better. Our straining doesn't save us, but our straining grows us and shapes us. You know, in fact, the phrase, make every effort, appears nine times in the New Testament. And what's interesting about all those occurrences is it's not related to physical labor. In all nine occurrences, the call to make every effort relates to how we relate to other people and how we relate to God. It's about relationships and faith. And that's actually some of the hardest work we have to do in this life, isn't it? If all I had to do is put my head down and do my job, I I think that wouldn't actually not be that hard of a life. But it's relationships 
all around me. And it's my relationship with an invisible God who some days feels so far away from me, so invisible. It's the relationships that are some of the hardest work in our lives and yet some of the most rewarding. And God calls us at least nine times very clearly using these very words, make every effort in those relationships. In the work of relating to Him and to the people around you, spare no effort. Do your best. When we're rejected, offended, disappointed, betrayed by other people. Think about how tempting it is in those moments to just walk away and say, you know what, I quit on that relationship. I don't need it anymore. It hurts too much to hope, to wait. What's the point? And, and the questions that are raging through our minds are questions like, why should I make the effort when the other person is clearly not making any effort? Why should I make an effort when I've done it before and it's never produced a different result? What is the point of working hard at relationships when relationships so often hurt and lead to disappointment? And yet, God unapologetically calls us to make every effort in relationships, both with Him and with others, even when we feel disappointed because that's the way that He continues to love us and relate to us every single time. Life would be so hopeless if God quit on His relationship with us because of disappointment and offense. And I want you to know that your hurts are not illegitimate. Your feelings of betrayal or disappointment or offense may be very real, and yet God calls you and He calls me to make every effort in the hard work of relating to other people and even relating to God when we feel like God is the one who disappointed us. Because the fruit of that effort will be a relationship that will be restored, resurrected, healed, and built. I'm going to wind down this way. One thing I know for sure is decay and decline are the natural course of things in this broken world. I'll confess that while I was really enjoying a more active lifestyle, COVID has really challenged my level of physical activity. And it's been six months since I played basketball. And you know, the, the thing is, I can't believe how quickly I can fall out of shape in terms of cardio. I was walking up the stairs the other day and I actually stopped at the top of the stairs and I was like, Oh my gosh, I feel like I just ran a mile. I'm so out of shape right now. And that's just from six months of not doing something. I wasn't even harming myself in some way. I wasn't smoking cigarettes. It was just not exercising. And I thought I would stay flat. Instead, I declined. Because that's the natural way of this broken world, is that anything not attended to will decay, decay or decline. Maybe you want six-pack abs. Maybe you want straight A's. You want a profitable business. You want a nice car. You want a flourishing relationship with your family members. We want a lot of things, and those are good wants. But in this broken, fallen world, none of those things become a reality without effort. But even more than the positive benefits of hard work, perhaps the greatest motivation for working hard at whatever you put our hands to 
especially relationships, is that when we do it, we honor God and we become more like Him. And when we become more like Him, that's a good thing because our God is not a God who phones things in. He is not a halfway God. Everything He puts His hands to, He pours Himself into. He gives His best to. And when we work that way at everything, we fill the world with His presence, echoes and representations of what He's like. It makes the world more the kind of world that anyone would want to live in. I just think about how affected I was by a two-minute interaction with a young lady in a shopping mall and how that led to this whole sermon and how that stayed on my mind. Why do we become certain kinds of people? And think about the effect it has on everyone we come across. But as we give our best effort in response to God's call, we become the kind of people who remind others of Him, point to Him, fill the world with more of the kinds of people that we're always meant to be. I'll leave you with one last uh, thought. What our best is may look different from time to time. You know, when you're sick, your best looks different than when you're healthy. When you're broke, your best looks different than when you're loaded, doesn't it? And yet, regardless of our situation, there is such a thing as what my best is right now, just as I am. And my best may not look like your best. My best today may not even look like my best a year ago. But every day, the freedom, the invitation I have in Christ is to bring my very best the best I can today in my circumstances to whatever I put my hands to. And maybe where I am right now is tough and maybe I've got circumstances stacked against me. Maybe that's your story too. But we can still bring the best we can every day to whatever we put our hands to. I'm going to ask you to just pause for a moment with me and... uh, Instead of uh, me doing more talking, I want to invite you to listen because God may be saying something directly to you right now about an area of your life where He wants to bless you as you respond to this call. A place where you know you're bringing less of yourself than you really should. Or maybe it's an area of your life that's hidden to you, a blind spot, and He will tell you, pay attention to this. There will be great fruit born if you do. So I'm going to to stop talking for just a minute and invite you to listen and listen for the personal words of God to you in your life, in your setting. And then I'll I'll, I'll, uh, close this out. good practice for us to learn to listen quietly for the voice of God. And so often when we do, we actually do discern something. We hear something in our hearts. Did he say something to you about an area of your life where you know you you can bring more of yourself? And if you do, others will be blessed and you will grow. I'm going to ask you or challenge you to obey the Lord in this 
to respond to what He said to you, not just with agreement, but with action. And I want to I want to uh, let you know that when we do respond to God in action and obedience, our lives change, and we change the lives of others around us. And there may be somebody in your life right now waiting for you to respond to this call of God, to bring the best of yourself to your work and your relationships. Praise Team is going to lead us in one final song. And as we do, uh, let's sing together. If you need to keep praying or reflecting, more than welcome to do that. And when they're done, I'll come back and dismiss us with a word of blessing. Every day, we're confronted with choices. And every day, those choices we make shape us. May God give you the grace to be mindful and to learn day by day in those little choices to answer His call to make every effort and to bring your whole self and your best effort to whatever you put your hands to do. May this begin with the simplest things like sweeping a floor or washing a dish. And may it extend to the harder work of building a relationship with God and a relationship with the other people around you. Harvest, may God give you the grace of working hard and reaping the benefits and becoming more like Him every day. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, be blessed now and forever. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.